everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am not Emma Daughter, uh, as you can probably tell by the voice. My name is Shane Rash, uh, and I'm filling in for Emma while she is on her way halfway across the world to the promised land, literally the promised land. She's going to Israel. Uh, and so that's really exciting, but I'm excited to get to share with you all this morning. A little bit about myself. Uh, my wife and I moved here just a couple years ago to go to Dallas Theological Seminary, and uh, then this thing called COVID happened. Through that process, uh, ended up at Watermark, getting to do the Institute, and now for the past two years have been on staff helping with the community team, and currently I'm serving with the pre-married team. So merge, two-on-two, all of the fun things that come before marriage. We have an 18-month-old little girl named Breland, and we are expecting our second in August. And I am one of those few that, or one of those that did not grow up in the church. My story really began, this is a, an introverted only child with social anxiety being raised in Kansas. And uh, we didn't go to church. I didn't know the story of Jesus. I knew his name, but I knew very little about him. And so most of my childhood was trying to figure out life uh, on my own. And when I got into college, I figured I'd do what everybody's supposed to do, which is work hard, play hard. I joined a fraternity at Oklahoma State and was living that kind of life when two guys shared with me uh, the message, the story of Jesus, that he loved me, that he had lived a perfect life that I couldn't. And I was at that point pretty convinced that I could not live a perfect life, that he had died in my place and he had risen from the dead. And that by believing in him, I could have eternal life with God. And after about four months of processing what that would look like, um, Christ just became real to me. And uh, I realized my need for him and I surrendered. And that was back about 13 years ago. And uh, God has been doing a lot of things in my life to renew me and make me more like him. Uh, and I am very much still in process in that. So let's get into the text. Gosh, we are in Exodus 12 today, and this is so exciting because this is really the climax. You could say the climax of almost the entire Old Testament. This is the event that they are going to look back on for the rest of the story of the nation of Israel. Uh, and really, it comes on the heel of nine plagues in Egypt. You've got one after another, God trying to get through to Pharaoh. And time after time, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And finally, this last plague, which is going to be the most severe, is going to break through. And when I read this, uh, I can't help but just picture this scene. It's midnight in Egypt. It's quiet. It's dark. The Israelites are all huddled in their homes. They're sharing this meal that is commemorating an event that they're trusting will happen and uh, are experiencing in real time. And off in the distance... Uh, beyond the district where the Israelites are living, you hear wailing and crying as fathers and mothers are grieving the loss of their firstborn. You know, and this isn't Dallas. There's no highway traffic covering the sound. There's no doors that are soundproof to block out the noise. It is a, a night of terror and of joy, of deliverance and death. And not only are the firstborn children all dead, but also the animals as well. And then the Israelites themselves, they had to sacrifice a lamb to smear its blood on the doorpost in order for the, the Lord himself to pass over uh, and not enter their homes. There's just so much death 
in this night. And it really begs the question, why? Why did God have to do things this way? Why couldn't he have brought about the exodus from Egypt some other way? I mean, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, right? How can God initiate such a terrible event? Said a different way, is God good? And it's a fair question. You know, if if you hear this story and you find yourself asking, is God good? Would a good God do this? Uh, You're not alone. And honestly, it's not the last time that you'll ever ask that question, whether it's a story you read in the Bible or whether it's something that happens in your life. This is just a question that people have been asking and trying to answer for a long time. And to be honest, it's a question that I myself asked, and especially seven years ago. See, my life was honestly going great, or so I thought. Uh, I was finding success in fulfillment and a role that I had on with the campus ministry. I was dating my dream girl. Uh, she would eventually become my wife. Life was good. Uh, and then at age 24 of all times, uh, I go to the doctor and find out that uh, my world is about to change. And it really came from one word, cancer. So for the next eight months, uh, my life was filled with surgeries and chemo, hopelessness, depression, anger, frustration. Through all of that, I was asking the question, is God good? Does he see me? Does he care? Why did he do this? Like he, I didn't have to get cancer. The reality is there is no neat and tidy answer to this question. When you're faced with the death of thousands of children in one night or cancer or abuse or any of the evils that this world has to offer. But here's what we can learn about this event. Here's what this passage does teach us. The Israelites were enslaved. They were oppressed, abused. They were hopeless. They've been crying out to God. I mean, Exodus begins with a story of Moses, who was a boy who was thrown into the Nile River because Pharaoh commanded that all the young Israelite boys were killed before they could grow old. This is a terrible situation that God's people were in, and he heard their cry. He set out to rescue them. And in Exodus 4, God even says, Israel is my firstborn. And if Egypt wasn't willing to give Israel up, God's firstborn, then they were going to lose their own. Was it terrible? Of course. But it was the price that had to be paid for the freedom of God's people. And it's a price that God himself is willing to pay. See, there was another firstborn whose life was taken for the freedom of others. God's own son, Jesus Christ. He was mocked, beaten, misunderstood, falsely accused, condemned to die on a cross so that God could set his people free. Forgiveness and freedom, they come at a price. And because God is good, he's willing to do what had to be done so that his people could experience freedom. It's no wonder that the Passover meal is still observed by Jews today. Like this is their good news message. This is the time that God in his might and his power, he brought them out of slavery and he did it in a dramatic fashion. The exodus out of Egypt, yeah, this is their good news message. But for those of us who are in Christ, we know that that event, it was just a shadow of something greater that was coming. We weren't in slavery under Egypt. We were enslaved to sin. And God was willing to give up his own son so that we could know him, that we could find freedom, that we could be rescued. Praise God. He is good. 
And this world is evil. Thank God he laid the penalty on his son, not us. While there is evil in the world and there are things that are hard to understand, we can know and we can trust that he really is good. Okay, well, that's all we have time for right now. I'm so glad we're on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.